Today on Talk About That, John takes on a phone scammer and sees his books go flying off the shelves and off of trucks. Meanwhile, I quit the piano and drop John off in 1991 to do ministry without technology. Plus a conversation about guns in America, politics, and other non-controversial topics. Today's episode is not sponsored by Windows. Hey, look out. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Let's go. What's up out there, listener? I'm John here with Johnny for another episode of Talk About That. Uh, It's summertime and the living is easy. It's getting hot outside, man. I mean, it happened fast. We know we don't seem like we have a lot of springs and falls. Oh, we had a spring somewhat there. Everybody says that, though. But we never even really got a spring. And then in the cold weather cities, like it snowed a couple weeks ago in Colorado, I think. Did it? Brutal. We'd have to ask our Colorado listeners. I think it did. I'm pretty sure it did. There's no way to know. <sighs> if only there was a device in front of either of us that we could. <laughs> That's the thing about our thing is because we, we try to keep the conversation moving. So there's if we had a third person. They could stop and they could be doing that while we. You know what, listener? You could be that third person for the low price. <laughs> if we did it, if we did this live, it was a live stream every week. Then yeah. somebody could just start in the comments. We could have like comments. I don't know if I could handle that though. The constant feedback that you get. I already have that in my regular job, <laughs> where you're like getting constant feedback from the audience. Like, nope, didn't like it. Like, basically, a, a no laugh is you have failed. I just call that being a dad. Just constant feedback. That's true. You're just like, oh man, man, that I- is. Yeah, I love you. Love you're, you, Sade. You're a good dad, though. It's it's okay. <laughs> I love my kid at all ages, but 13, she is very witty. Yeah. And she's really, like, her timing, mm-hmm. understanding some things, you know, has really caught up. And it is just a lot of fun. That would be a big deal to me once my kid could understand jokes. Oh, yeah. Uh, and understand why they're funny. Yeah. Not even if they could make jokes themselves, just understand why I'm so funny. <laughs> Yeah, no, this is all about... I don't want them to try to outdo me. No. I'm not ready to be replaced. No. That's the thing about having kids. These people are here to replace you. Oh, yeah. 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 They're coming for you. Yeah, I have an only, so everything that I own Mm -hmm. will be hers someday, and her husband's. And it'll be obsolete. Always Most of it. Well, I just mean like... Even like the furniture, like, I don't want this. Like, our first furniture that we got when we just got married, my dad had just passed, and so we had nothing. And so we have this old dresser, we got this old bed frame, we got this old whatever. It was all my dad's. And it's just not only is it spooky right. slash haunted, <laughs> but it's old people furniture. Yeah. It's this old mahogany curved wood brass. It's probably super expensive in its day. Exactly. And it probably could have, but it's like you just feel like oh, we have old people furniture because yeah. we're broke. That's the thing is like everything you think you're passing down, she's not going to want it, John. I just she feel like some... she could sell the house and. Oh, no, there is that. Yeah. Like assets. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like the land. I just thought you meant like your phone. <laughs> you know, like, oh, I don't want this iPhone 11. Get out of here. I'm her... on the 15. Yeah, her phone's already nicer than mine. Oh, that's I good. have an SE. Okay. And it is officially garbage. I don't know. I like the SE. I like it, but my battery runs down before I wake up. I think that's about you. You know what? I and think your that, usage. I think you're just being mean at this point. <laughs> there is a – no, I, sh- I shut things down. I will say since I've been more active on socials, mm-hmm. that does seem to run the old battery down. Do you get the little notification that you have your screen time? Yeah. Is that a, is that a, a moment where you just go uh, – you justify it? You go, but I have to be on this I, five this hours my, a day. I'm building platform. Yeah. <laughs> This is how I give to people. <laughs> well, I, you know, at lunch today, I told you I would get off of social media right now. Yeah. 
and I would be happy. And I pushed back. Yeah, you were like, no, you wouldn't. You're... Of course, then you went in away from social media into like just technology in general. I went into the idea that – You would need to email people. Could you imagine how miserable you'd no, be? No, not even email. Like let's say I, I said – let's say I dropped you into 1991 I'm and angry. said, now do ministry. Some of us never left 1991. That's true. <laughs> I've seen you dress. But let's say I just dropped you there and said, let's go – do ministry, you'd be like, I'm fired up. But you but you still know everything that you know now. I say, come on, gang. So you know the potential. <laughs> what are we doing, gang? Uh, and you work, Young people. And you work with gang ministries. Oh. That's not right. <laughs> you go into prisons and talk about doing life together. That's no good. No, no, no. but uh, you you immediately would have like a phone list. I listen, There'd be I, permission slips you'd have to have faxed over. Oh. Like You'd be so frustrated that you couldn't just hit one button and email all these parents know, and people. You know, my book, if I you wrote, didn't know better that you'd be fine. But I'm saying once you know, you'd be like, guys, you don't know the pitfalls that that you would be getting into if we had social media. They'd be like, you mean there's all the information the world can be in your pocket and you didn't want that? No, I came back to 91 to do ministry with you. <laughs> They'd be so frustrated with you and you'd be frustrated with them. I don't know. I, you know, in my book, Letters to the Other John. Yeah. Not, not available. Not available. <laughs> out of print. <laughs> not available anyway. That's an OOP. We threw away 2,000 copies of that. We yeah. threw away into the dumpster after about 10 oh, years. Know. But It's like the Atari game. Do we ever talk? We ever make that comparison? It is a lot like the Atari Remember games. the – you've seen that documentary? It's unbelievable. So uh, uh, Atari made an E.T. video game, and yeah. it took them like – they had like five weeks to get it out before the Christmas rush. Yeah. And it's a garbage game. It's completely ridiculous. Graphics are terrible. Uh, tasks are terrible. It's dumb. Yeah. And it was such a flop that they tried to just make it like it didn't happen. So they just men and blacked everybody and they buried it in the desert. Oh, like wow. They, it's literally – there's a documentary where they get this guy. Here's the rumor of this for years. And he goes and finds – he tracks down all the executives and he finds this landfill and he digs it up. And he by the end, the, end, the last shots of him unearthing thousands of Atari video oh, games, they're my. there. So, yeah, so that's, that's letters. It, they're, out, they're somewhere. They're out there. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if they're all together. I don't know. Just randomly like, this guy must have really hated this book. <laughs> this is the 500th copy I've seen of this. How bad could this book have been? Did I ever tell you the time that I was leaving? So Thomas Nelson is in Nashville, okay? Yeah. Not and the person. This is a No, no, a guy publisher. named Thomas. A publisher. Thomas Nelson Publishers. And what was great was before they – not not that I don't like that they were bought by HarperCollins. So I, Another, I love HarperCollins. Again, Collins. not a person. Not a person. But when HarperCollins bought them, they shut down the warehouse here yeah. and moved it like up north. And so since I'm in Nashville, when I needed to get first copy of our Reggie books, I'd go pick up a whole pallet because if you buy them by the thousand, right. then they're a lot cheaper. Get that price break. Yeah, You're like, author. how many do I got to buy until they're free? Yeah. That's, what you, that's what I always ask. <laughs> if they go, hey, if you buy a thousand, you get 50 cents off. How many do I got to buy yeah, until they're free? That's good. Okay. <laughs> and so one time, I'd, I mean, I used to do it all the time, pull up my truck. Get yeah. a big pallet. You probably helped me before. Oh yeah. And I don't that know, sounds like something I would do. Yeah. And at some point, one time I was I looked out the back on I forty heading east, and I see papers oh, flying no. out of the back of my truck. And I don't know how, but one of the boxes or something was open. And we Just lost sending thirty or forty copies. You know, your wisdom like dandelion spores going <laughs> I, I was, into the thinking, atmosphere. <laughs> it was like all over the interstate. I stopped and picked up what I could, but I thought, you know what? I wonder. If there's someone out there, Johnny, they're going to be walking <laughs> down trash, this way. A prisoner. And they're going to be like, wow, this book about this guy named Reggie. Yeah. And uh, that guy's never called or anything. No. So I don't know if my number was. He doesn't. No, it's better to just think that he's out there. Yeah. Don't, you know, you don't want to put a name and a face to it. I can see it right now. The phone rings one day and the guy's like, excuse me, sir, are you John Driver? I was like, well, <laughs> yes, I am. And he'd be like, or did you? Collaborate on a book called Reggie. And you're, I, I, did, I, did. I did. You think you're getting ready to get all this accolades? Yeah. And it'd be like, uh, I'm with the Davidson County Sheriff's Department. And we, <laughs> We've got a citation. We have for a citation you. for littering. <laughs> it's what you remember. Do you ever yeah. get numbers from like like your phone rings? When I was younger, my phone would ring. I had a bunch of like proposals out, uh -huh. and a, a New York number would call. Oh yeah. Or a California number uh -huh. would call L.A. Yeah. You're like, ooh, and you always think assume, it's a big deal. And it has never no, one it's a time. telemarketer. Yeah, it's like, hey, you know, are you interested? Would in you it? need a back brace? Yeah, so your extended warranty. Yeah, uh, it's always something like that. But yeah, man, it's out there. Your wisdom is out there, and people have found. That is interesting, though, that somebody might have like found found like dozens of copies of it. Yeah, and just be like, why would someone throw out? 
12 books. Really hated this guy. Talk about that, a name like Thomas Nelson is the name of in the HarperCollins. It reminds me of a time, like sometimes I'm a sarcastic person, but it's always in good fun. Yeah, sure you are. But every now and again, like I remember a moment, uh, like sometimes I'm sarcastic with my brother and, uh, and I go too far. I remember when we were doing campus ministry together. Yeah. Um, I, on UT Knoxville campus, University of Tennessee Knoxville, we're like doing campus ministry, and he was coming to one of the events. Yeah, and we we lived in Fountain City, which was far away from downtown. We didn't go to, to UT campus all the time because we weren't we weren't college kids, right. if you know what I mean. So I was like, "Hey, uh, you go down Neyland and you turn up Pathead Summit." He goes, "Is that the name of the street?" <laughs> I go, "No, Pathead Summit's standing there. <laughs> Just take a left." She never leaves the corner. It was like a B. Arthur from Golden Girls moment. No, Rose. <laughs> I was just so hateful. So I just want to say now, B. Did he, did he still come? He came anyway. He showed up. Yeah, I apologize. He was B. the better that brother. That was probably too far. It was just, he set me up. He yeah. teed me up. Yeah. Is that the name of the street? I do that to Laura sometimes. No, Peyton Manning is out there. Don't turn yeah. on Peyton Manning Boulevard. Peyton Manning. Turn, we have hired him. Turn on Peyton Manning. Yeah, it like, was really hateful. Run him over. I can possible. be hateful sometimes. Uh, no offense to Peyton Manning. No. Uh, yeah. He's really falling on hard times. He's just waving people on. He's a crossing guard now. Come on, you. No, 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 no. You, 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 you. Yeah, one way, one way. Uh, he's like calling out signals, you know. Omaha, Omaha. He's That'd like, be great. Yeah, be he's directing traffic. There should be an Omaha drive yeah. on UT campus just because of the, the how famous that got. Talk about a guy who has – his trajectory has possibly gone up since he left being yeah. – the Hall of Fame. Still doing commercials. That's the thing about Brady, too. Like, Brady came back, and, like, I think, did you see his deal that Fox has offered him or CBS or whatever? Uh, it's going to be, like, almost $40 million a year wow. to be a broadcaster. That's, uh, he has no broadcasting experience. Yeah. Zero. I think it's because those documentaries came out, The Man in the Arena, and they see, like, how good he is at yeah. telling his own story and telling. Yeah. Like, he really is. Like, it, it humanizes him in a way that I was not expecting. No, because like, he's he's one of those players you love to hate. Yeah, when you're a Titans fan, at least. Yeah, or a Titans fan, or any if you're a Colts fan, especially. Yeah. But like that thing of you see, oh, this there's a humanity to him, and he's a family man, and oh, I didn't know, like I had no idea about the Atlanta Super Bowl that his mom was there, and she was like basically stage four breast cancer. Yeah, and you know, then they start losing the game the way they were, with twenty eight to three or whatever, and then he came back and she was in the stands. Like that was like huge. I was like, oh my gosh, what a moment this must have been for his family. And then she recovered. Yeah. You know, she beat it. So I just that that was cool. But I think they see that and they go, Oh, Tom can tell a story. He'll oh, be a, yeah. and of course Romo set the template because Romo steps in and everybody was mad that they got rid of uh, Phil Sims on those Jim Nance uh, those Jim Nance broadcasts. They were like, You're bringing in Romo just because he's Romo and then Romo's the best that's the ever best. done it. Yeah, he's unbelievable. And so immediately, so they're like, "Yeah, let's give Brady, let's, let's give this Brady kid a chance." It. But forty million? That's I mean, not, I would have, I would have done it for half that. I'm gonna say, listen, that's nothing for Brady. Come on, bro. Wasn't, that's true. He's got he, that much in his couch cushions. Is that what come you're gonna on, say? Man. Come on. When you get into those millions, Johnny, yeah. I can tell you, it changes you. I remember when it changed me, and it was like, this yeah. feels different. Yeah, you know, but it feels good. I shed a tear, and then I wiped it with a fifty dollar bill. And, I've been uh, thinking, I have. Like, I realize now I have a lot of – like, I don't think of myself as well off, but I do have, like, some purchases that I want to make that are completely stupid. Like, I want a hot tub now. Mm. But I justified. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not going to be, like, a hot tub person. I just want it to, like – after a workout, I want to be able to, like – For my muscles. You get in a hot tub and you – whatever. It's like – it's therapeutic. Longevity. It's therapeutic and whatever. It's like – but that just – like, if I thought about a person – who would just go buy a hot tub? I would think that person ain't got no kids. First of all, which I don't. <laughs> I was gonna say that's like that's not a thing you would spend admit. whatever you want, bro. You don't have kids, right? Yeah, like the joke's on us. Yeah. You get to spend your money on whatever you want. Well, but you've got a pool. But you're like, yeah, but the pool was already there. But yeah, but that's one of the reasons you bought that house. Mm. How did I make it about you? I don't know. <laughs> and I was giving you permission to do whatever you wanted to do. So, Still. so you were talking about Sadie and development, and I listened to this podcast. I started listening to this podcast called Smartless, which is one of the number one podcasts. Yeah. Uh, they're not a sponsor, and frankly, they're a competitor because they're way better than us. It's uh, Will Arnett and Jason Bateman and Sean Hayes, and they've been friends for like 30 years. I yeah. didn't know this. So they're really funny together. But then they interview people, and they were interviewing Mitch Hurwitz, who was the showrunner and creator and writer on Arrested Development. Brilliant guy, and he knows all about interlacing stories. And so they're talking about he has two kids, and they're like, so now you have two kids. Tell me about that. 
is they're old enough now to where are you starting to see your own traits in them? Are you seeing this one's kind of smart, this one's kind of funny, this one has a, a flair for joke writing, whatever, or they at least understand? He was like, well, I try not to push them that way. And he's talked about a study that he read. I was, thought he was so, so fascinated by it. He's a really bright guy. But he said there was a study done of uh, some, you know, whatever university did it years ago. And it was like they took a group of first graders and they gave them a test, like a math test for first graders. And then they all got their scores. And the one, then no matter what the score was, they took one group of them and said to them, half of them, and said, you are so smart to get this. Like, you're so smart. And they bragged on them. And the other group, they said, you're a really hard worker. Like, you didn't quit. I thought that was great. And then they gave that same group of people, those same kids, a test for fifth graders. And the ones who were told they were smart, 100% of them quit hmm. in the middle of the test. Like, they got to a point where they're like, I can't do this. And then the ones who said that they were, hard, were told they were hardworking, they pushed through. And some of them even, like, got right answers or they, they yeah. got something out of the experience. So he was like, I learned from that. Like, I don't tell my kids they're smart. I think it's one of the worst things you can say to a kid. It gives them, like, something to lose. He said, once I read that study, it made sense. And then he gave this – I was, like, driving. I was on a long car trip this weekend. So I'm listening to it, and I was like – and I was immediately relating to it because I was like, this is me. I was like a prodigy kind of a kid. Yeah. And I was always told that I was smarter and I was an old soul. But it gave me this chip on my shoulder of, like, I can't lose this specialness about myself. Yeah, so well, I would not expose myself to failure because I was afraid to lose that specialness that I'd been told I had. Yeah. So, and then he gives this example. He goes, let's say you're a piano, you know, you can hear notes on the piano and then somebody puts you in lessons. Well, you don't, you don't immediately get good at the piano. Nobody does. You have to practice yeah. and you have to learn, you know, chords and you have to learn structures and music theory to get good. And if they put you in that stuff and then you, you've been told that you're a prodigy and now you're faced with, yeah, and it's a, and I almost started crying. It literally was my experience. I was that kid. I could hear songs. I would, would go into church these uh, these gospel church, full gospel churches, and I was hearing these uh, old early integrity songs or whatever. And I was like hearing them on the. I was banging them out mm-hmm. on the piano, just note by note. And my mom was like, in, you know, completely obsessed with me being like the next whatever. Yeah. And so she put me in piano lessons when I was in third grade. It was part of our school music program. She's like, you take piano lessons, you're going to be off to the races. And I took two lessons and they started showing me practices and chords and do this. And this is where your this is where your mistakes are. This is the where you're, what you're lacking. And when I found out what I was lacking, it was devastating to me. Yeah. Because I had only been given positive affirmation. Yeah. And so I think if, I think if, if I could say, I don't, I'm not a parent, but I, it made sense to me as someone who grew up with like good parent. My mom was a good parent and she still managed to probably get that part wrong she could have just said i really like how you push through or like you worked it out like you work hard like i think that's a better thing to say than like you're so you're smarter than anyone like yeah. now you've given that kid like this yeah well i can't lose i'll lose my mom's respect if i fail so i'll just not try <laughs> yeah it's weird right does it make sense to you oh yeah no no I, it, it makes sense both as a I don't child know we call our kids smart we do i'm not sure. saying you're abusing your kid to call them smart i'm right. just saying like there are better things possibly to say than that we try you know sadie has musical talent that was very evident early still very evident yeah and i've never pushed her part of that was is you know you and i used to do school of rock and some other things for a lot of kids and i, I knew from parents and kids in youth ministry for years and years that if you want to get them to quit, push them and make them do it right. on art. Don't if you make, make it a job. Right. If you make them do art, the flip side is, is that if you don't push them, there's a good chance they'll never do it anyway. Yeah. Um, but I want them to enjoy it. You or give not. them like an avenue to do it and make it fun. You know, like my buddy, Ed Wiley, his daughter, he's a comedian and his daughters, some of them are really gifted and they're singers or whatever. And he does comedy, obviously. And so he started bringing them on stage with him to do like his closing number and they would sing with him. And it's so adorable and charming and, and they're really talented too. And, but now his, one of his middle children started an open mic at this little cafe downtown and it's her thing. Hmm. Like she's doing it. And, um, now they, there's an, he goes down and he does jokes and somebody, and then some neighborhood kid will come in and do their thing. So it's like, that's the right tone probably. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, as a dad, I certainly have told my kids she's smart, I maybe mean, because that's true. And I do understand. 
I was told, I was told I was special, you know, and I think that's, it's, you know, like, and it never went away. It, I still, I feel still, <laughs> I will say that I have this sense of, and you get back to that whole, um, I'm reading a book on, um, the gift of disillusionment and it talks about how the very word disillusionment, dis, you know, basically the opposite of, or the removal of the illusion. Yeah. Like. You come to a place where your expectations cannot be met. You, or your expectations are met with reality, which leads to disillusionment. And that's actually really good because you're actually in reality to some okay. extent. Yeah, that makes sense. And like there's that moment of – You took the illusion away. Yeah, because we live in that illusion. Some of that, some of that is the – glimmer of childhood hope you don't want to take all that away you need to feel that there's you know so much possibility ahead yeah um that's true you don't want to just tell the kid all the time like no you're pretty average right like, i get that or, or like you know life's gonna be hard you like, shouldn't so expect much we know that parents project their own insecurities onto their children though it's it's happened it's time immemorial it does that like we 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 tell them you're going to be whatever that I couldn't be, or you're going to be as good as your dad was at this because I was good at this. Like we can't stop doing that. It's hard to stop doing that. Sadie will ask me. She's old enough now. She asked me this week, and it was something akin to, um, would would you really tell me if I wasn't kind of thing? This right. is basically one of those. This is what my parents has to have to say to me, uh-huh. and I said, I wouldn't tell you that you're unusually gifted at this. Yeah. Like if you weren't, I would just say, "Hey, you're doing great," you know, or whatever. Yeah. So no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't pour on like this because I do tell none of us walk up to a kid and go, "Hey, look, you really need to," you know. Your kid is dumb as a bag of hammers. (laughs) I mean, work on it, but you know. So there's that weird thing with the hard work coming as now the reward for thinking. I completely buy into that. Like that's where. I see kids that go, well, it's just not worth it to me. Now, whether it, for each one. That's like one, you're giving them a risk. You're giving them, you're inter- introducing risk way too young of like, you want them to take, I don't want them to take chances by jumping off the roof with an umbrella thinking they can fly, but you want them to be like creatively free yeah, and not think, oh, my dad said that I was this and that means that I can lose this. See, that's a very, by the way, Enneagram 4 thing you're saying right now. That yeah. you have a, That there's a, something special about you that has to be guarded or has to be um, or you're just afraid that it's, your life. Or you're afraid that it's not true and yeah. you don't want to ever find out that it's not true so you don't take the chances, you know? Man, there is – my dad put so much positivity into me and for a long time it worked. Yeah. You know, you can do anything you want to do. Yeah. Like you can do whatever you want to do. And so every election I ran for, I won. Mm-hmm. And every, you know. You're I, like Forrest Gump. You just stumble into stuff. I did. I was just like, oh. And I worked hard. Dad gave me the gift of work. Yeah. Working for my dad's lawn care business. You know, having to sweat yourself through 12 hours while you're very, you're sunburned and hurting. And, you know, yeah. accomplishing that, that, that sort of um, – euphoric end of the day like oh i didn't like doing that but i love the way it feels having done that yeah that's probably what still drives me to a lot of what i do so i don't worry as much about what i'm experiencing in the work because i know but that's the same thing the it's good like, feeling is coming right. of having had done it but that's what i mean that's what a lot of your parents saw in you too probably was like and they're encouraging that spirit like john you're a hard worker you push through you whatever it's not just a matter of like john you could do this because it's it comes easy to you it's like no you did both i think you were I, yeah, gifted I you were probably gifted intellectually and also you were you were able to work hard thing. i don't think i was that gifted intellectually i look back now think i think some things did come easy but i do uh, and I'm not trying to disparage society today. We have enough of that going on. I think that there, and this is part of just the history guy in me, there is a reality to the fact that, and I don't, did we say this last week, that the hymns, I write for some hymn writers. Yeah. The hymns that were written in the 18th and 19th century for children yeah. to help them learn theology are three times too theologically complex for most adult Christians today. Mm-hmm. Like there's studies on this that they they can't they couldn't understand the theology for children a hundred years ago yeah that was being taught to them so they would have some foundation now whether or not those children the whole point of that was is whether or not the children had a full understanding of what they're seeing it was laying a foundation so that when they came into maturity the terms were there and, and those things and I I just think we lack sort of a um, I mean I will read and, and I've been doing 
You think you need to push and Sadie harder is what you're saying. Well, I've been, <laughs> I've been doing a lot of research on a pretty big book project that I'm about to pitch. Yeah. Like it's the, it's one of those like lifetime silver bullet ideas that may or may not take it's a off. lifetime movie. That's West not. <laughs> and it may or may not small town at Christmas. I get it. It's one of those stories that, I mean, listener, I hope, I hope you feel teased adequately listener here. or viewer. It's one of those, it's one of those things that it's way bigger story than me. And it's like, it, it's a, I should hope so, John. Yeah. Cause this is nothing, but <laughs> yeah, my life guys, that's your sales <laughs> pitch. First of all, I just want you to know, this is this is more than just about me. They're like, yeah, <laughs> we, we assume so. that. Who, who, who the heck are you? Well, I mean, though, most books require a platform. I know what you mean. It's, you know what a, it's, like, a, it's a more global project. It doesn't really matter who said what I'm going to say. I am just happen to be one who's uniquely positioned You're a conduit. Yeah. So it's a bigger story than that. But in researching it, I will read especially like just – I would call them um, – let's, let's think of a term here. I would call them um, – Cross-generational peers. Yeah. So someone in 1867, uh-huh. 1870, who's going to be socially, economically, in, in whatever sort of position in society about where I am today, and what they're writing just in their letters to yeah. one another is so much more right. verbose, one, uh-huh. but complex, deep in its thought, like that – I look at it and go, okay, I'm an I'm a super probably average writer in 2022. I would be in the bottom 20% and these people are just writing yeah, letters just to each other. Just banging rocks together. Yeah. Like I'm I'm literally out here just yeah, exactly, running through the woods just, you know, trying not to hit trees and they're like doing uh, things. And It's a weird way to write. So honestly. <laughs> I don't know why I can't get a lot <laughs> First done. of all, pick up a pen. What are you doing? <laughs> And I do, I, I get a little jealous of it to some extent, but I also go, I mean, no one wants to hear, listen, here's what I've learned. We talk about it all the time. My go-to move in life, and I've had to, I've learned this the hard way and I've had to repent a lot. My go-to move when I feel strongly about something yeah. is if you're, if you're coming at me with a, a, you know, a counter argument that feels uninformed uh-huh. and I feel that I'm more informed, my go-to move is to make you feel stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a bad go-to move. It's back to that bully the other day. It's a bad go-to move. It never works. Right. It does not actually win anybody over. Sometimes it gets you choked. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, because it's an it's a passive aggressive, angry way to do it. Yeah. And nobody wants to be be, be made to feel that they're lesser. Because I think most people are pretty smart. This is not a matter of intelligence. I think for all of us, a humility would be helpful to go. We're probably, and I forget what the name of it is, but there's a there's a bias in the modern. Every modern age has a bias to think that they're doing it better than the past generations. Isn't like there's one called recency bias, but that's more like you're more likely to believe that the most recent thing you heard is true. Right. It's like if you've just read a book about yeah. wheat belly, you're, everybody in the world is poisoning themselves because you're right. like, I read wheat belly, and this is why. Yep. You know, we've got to go. If you've just watched uh, Super Size Me, now all of a sudden it's like, yep. oh, I found the problem of the whole world. And then yep. a month later, you're like, I need a filet of fish. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that McRib is back. Yeah. And, and so I, I think, and, and it may be recency bias, but there is always this feeling that we know more than they do. Uh-huh. And I think that. We talked about that. Even with like torture, like we talked about the whole, like the idea that the people who tortured people in times past, they were monsters. Right. Well, we do it. Yeah. We're when we do it, evolved. we have it. Yeah. It's a, it, there's a reason, and we're the good guys. We're always the yeah. good guys, the hero of our own story. And I, I, I think it's just, it would do us a lot of good to go, hey, someone in 1855, just because they didn't have an iPhone. Yeah. Just because they, you know, were on the cusp of civil war. Right. Like, they may have had just as deep or deeper thoughts than I'm having now. Yeah. And I do think there's also an other side of that where we, think that they had it all together uh, and we don't ever like look at their thoughts with any real critical eye. You know, uh, we're, we're thinking about like the second amendment We're we're acting like it's like, that's a decree from God that can't ever be. It's literally an amendment Yeah. to the, you know what I'm saying? Like this idea that like people who had no idea what guns would end up being, how important they would end up being and how prevalent they would end up being. Yeah. In America, 
that they wrote something we can never tamper, ever tamper with. Right. The idea that, that could never, that's an interesting way that we've taken that. So we're basically saying like, no, 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 they, they knew, you know? The, yeah. It's almost like they were sentient. Yeah. And the founders were, when you we've made them to be superheroes. They could have seen the future. They could have seen drive-by shootings. They could have seen school shootings. There's no way, there's no way that they understand. First of all, it was muskets. Yeah. Hey, listen, if we want to go back to muskets, you're, I guarantee you there'll be less school shootings. You're down for it. You know, I'm, listen, if we go back to muskets, I'm all about, I'll probably have one. Yeah. You know, I'm not a gun guy, but I'll, whatever, let's go. Well, I mean, it's like, you have time, you have time to calm down while you load it. <laughs> You're like, I don't think. It takes some, yeah. You picked the wrong house, buddy. Yeah. I'll you know. see you in 30 minutes. <laughs> you know, and, and now since you just dove straight into this. Yeah. Um, I think, no, but I just do think it's interesting that we, there is, there's a, there's a, either a dismissal of right, the past. Or a complete. Like deification, deification of the past. Deification of it. Yeah. 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 And I think that that's like, we wrote about that in also black and white, you know, even George Washington talked about the beauty of America is its ability. The beauty of a constitutional Republic is its ability to establish and alter its systems of government. There's an altering. That's why you have amendments and that they were constantly altering. It's a little bit like the King James version. I had to talk to someone the other day and they were talking about King James version. And I was like, I, every time we talk about King James version, I have this book I share. Right, the 1611. I have the actual 1611. Yeah. I was like, just try That's to read it. It's basically unreadable. It is because like the Fs or Ss, or sorry, the Ss the or Fs, or the Vs or the user Vs. And it, I was like, the King you James need like a version. Code. You need a code breaker. Even if you're not reading the new King James, just a King James version uh-huh. today has been altered, they think, at least 1,500 times. English did not exist when Jesus spoke. Right. So like there's a, you know, that's the hard part when you get into somebody talking about literalism, biblical literalism. You, your people cannot extrapolate and extricate their belief in the Bible from their belief in their translation of the Bible. Like it's almost like an attack on them to say, "Well, what you believe is God's word is your interpretation of this, and now you want to die on this hill, you want to fight this battle." But there have been other generations who read this and thought something different. I mean, the Bible was used to defend slavery, right? And most of the modern translations are way more accurate because yeah. they're dealing with way more primary sources. Right. And almost all of them are saying exactly the same things. Yeah. I mean, like the, the translations at this point are vernacular based. They're not content based. Mm-hmm. They're dialect. They're nuanced. And even if they're nuanced and they could possibly change the meaning, there's always a, a footnote of some sort that says, hey, here's what the original manuscripts think or, or how it's been translated before. So that you get a clearer picture of it. Yeah. You know, if you so but back to your to your point of the Constitution, this this gets me in all the areas. And, and, and I think this is uh, let's just uh, I know we're on two hot buttons now, possibly three. But I think that they all go together. I, th- I think it's one big thing that's worth mentioning. Yeah. That when there was a dispute over the election. Okay, mm-hmm. I had this conversation, and it it just really ticked people off when I would say this. I'm not I'm not trying to, but my first question is: Is do you believe in the Constitution? Well, of course, yes, of course. Okay, great. Then there's great news: the Constitution and the systems that flow forth from the constitutional structure that we have have already created a remedy for a possible disputed election if there yeah. was fraud. And it's called the court systems. And so if you really believe in the Constitution, you can sleep at night because at, to date, at that point, 60-plus courts, some with Trump-appointed judges, right. have poured through all the evidence that, that the teams from the states can bring and have found no fraud that actually affects any outcome. And it was like – again, and I say this. this is, I'm not speaking about the election outcome right now. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking about like if we say we're constitutionalists, then the founders actually did. When you don't get your way, you still have to be a constitutionalist. That's called justice. Yeah. Like that means – like I really – honestly, in, in the elections, if the party that I don't want to win wins constitutionally, that's the outcome I want, even yeah. though it's not the outcome I voted for. That's a point where I go, with this, right. in order for this to work, there has to be a sense of equity and justice that the system yeah. works a certain way. Otherwise, every election is going to be like, I didn't get the result I want. I'm going to take my ball and go home. Like, and we can't have a system like that. When you're getting into a place where your opinion is dictating your ability to believe truth or not. Mm-hmm. So I would – and this is, this is the key to the turn here. 
If you would have believed the election results, if they would have gone the way that you liked, what does that say? Yeah. It says that there has to be a bias. The election doesn't care what you believe. Mm-hmm. If it's truly just counting votes. Right. The, 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 the electoral right. They college. Didn't want, they didn't want recounts in states that Trump won. If he already – you should want to recount nationwide. If yeah. you think that the entire system is completely just uh, you know, fraught with all of this fraudulent issue – Right. Then how can you trust the outcome if it was what you wanted? Mm. If you're like, well, I wouldn't care then. That's well, a that's problem. Part we of should it. care well, either way right. or it's not Well, that's justice. part of that polarization of the social media has done where you surround yourself with people who think like you and you mute everybody else. So people literally were surprised. Like they just go, well, nobody I know voted for Biden. How could he have gotten 85 million votes? And people who voted for Biden were like, well, clearly he won. Of course Everybody he won. Everybody I know, right. They, because right. The, so it, because we've developed these bubbles, right. we've insulated ourselves. Both geographically and on social uh-huh. media. Yeah, like the, the so algorithm people, is only you cannot you imagine in. a person that does not think like right. you. And so you go, who are these? There's no way there's 85 million of these monsters out there. Right. And that's because we've made them un, you know, unhuman. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to see why we got where we are. It's just like, how do we, what's the way forward? But to your point, yeah, that's, that's one example for sure of that. And I think moving into the gun conversation, and I think I have to preface this a little bit, and I'm glad we're talking about this. We did not talk about it last week, and I think it was a little fresh. I put the little, you know, sort of, dis, you know, uh, disclaimer at the beginning of our thoughts and prayers. And you and I even struggle with that. You talked to me about it, like, and I want to make sure for our listener I'm clear. One, I'm a guy who owns guns. Okay, I'm a guy who actually has a carry permit, not that in Tennessee you need John's that. John's got a gun right anymore. now, y'all. Guys, <laughs> if Johnny knows what's good for him. No, I mean, again, I've taken the gun safety classes. Yeah. I'm not anti-gun in that respect. And statistically, they say 80% of Americans, 80% of Americans on both sides of the aisle are in support. I know there's a lot of Republicans right now who are speaking out. I heard the governor of Arkansas yesterday, I saw him on the news. We're speaking out for some sort of common sense gun right. legislation right. Um, that would at least make it harder. And, and I know the slippery slope arguments are, um, well, one, you know, and, and it's an easy question to ask. Would that legislation have stopped any of these latest things that happened? And when we get there, I think we have to recognize that regardless, it's the lawmaker's job to make laws. That's like yeah. saying, well, we can't make people put on seatbelts, so we shouldn't pass seatbelt laws. Right. Like, we're still going to pass seatbelt laws. Shouldn't have stop signs because people are just going to run them. If, they're, if you're a lawbreaker, you're just going to run the stop sign anyway. It's yeah. Like, and, yeah, but. And it doesn't mean everyone's. I'm not in support of coming to take away everyone's guns they already have today. I'm not in yeah. support. I think that there are some common sense things about assault weapons for civilians. Yeah. I think about waiting periods and all those kinds of things that, as a gun owner, and many gun owners I know would be okay with that if it helps to protect people around us. So I want to come out and say, when I said, hey, I think my last statement last week was something like, you know, what I was trying to is not offer a bunch of platitudes, a bunch of, now look, guys, I know it's hard now, but it gets better. People just lost their children. Right. I, I don't know what they're right. going through. Grieve with those who grieve. Yeah, and, and it wasn't a time either to make a political statement. And I'm not making one now, but I didn't want to also come off as like, all we need is Jesus right now to fix all of this. I think that we need Jesus more than anything. Also, we need to use our common sense and the structures yeah. and the systems we have. And if we can make, a, if we can make changes and we can not allow our politics to be determined by high-paying lobbies. Mm. I mean, did you know that – I heard a statistic this week. After after a, a, a horrible mass shooting, gun sales go way up. Right. Like there's 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 it's not because they're making money and directly off of this. It's that the fear of, you know, some sort of restriction is coming like we're in a place to go. Hey, there's enough happening. If you look even globally to go, something's different here. Yeah, we have like 14 percent of the people and 40 percent of the guns or something in the world. It's some crazy number like that. Like we have yeah. more guns per capita, like more guns is not the answer. I don't, I don't think. And I, I'm not saying again, I'm not saying that the humans and I heard someone post this. This is goes back to. If, by the way, if you're a listener and you feel triggered by all these things, I really encourage you to lean in, like lean in for a second. Something we talk about in the book. Well, it's a really afraid. good practice to say. I thought of this like we're afraid of being political or, you know, especially people who uh, we talk about it, like church has gotten so political or whatever. But like to me, everything is political. Like the fact that we're able to do this podcast and it can go out to people and we're not being stifled. That's political. Like yeah. a politician – Somewhere made that possible. Yeah. You know, the fact this water, there's there, this water is, uh, it says 100% natural spring water. 
you can't just say that. And it's FDA approved. Right? You have like, you know what I'm saying? Like there's liability and legislation that goes into what goes on these labels. Yeah. Uh, com- companies talking about each other in their ads is political because that was protected. Free speech and comedy is protected. Me satirizing another church. Like Joel Osteen can't sue me if I do a Joel Osteen impression. That's because a politician somewhere protected that right. So everything we do, electricity is political. Your drinking water is political. So like this idea, that like, well, let's not get like it. There's a time when like politics is it's policy, right? And that affects us. We're so a society of more are, than one person. Every right. day since the school shooting, there's been another mass shooting. It's not letting up. So it's like at some point, like. If you care about people, you have to get into politics. You have to understand politics at least. Even if you go, I choose to abstain from this or I choose to be a neutral party. Like, I don't know if we're there anymore. Like, I I just – I think everything's political, so we can't pretend. I think it's okay to say, too, we're not acting like that there's going to be legislation that suddenly changes the hearts of people and makes this problem go away. Correct. Just like, again, seatbelts or whatever. If we could lessen a few, I mean, I think we have to – you know, the answer here is not – we're not going to legislate morality. We're not going to take those things away. We're not trying to overregulate. But could we be underregulated in places? And there mm-hmm. have been times in American history, again, seatbelts is another great example. I didn't wear a seatbelt growing up, did you? No. When we were little, no. No. People were dying in regular car wrecks all the time. At some point, someone and said— And it got fought against, too. It was like oh, a big pushback. Yeah. My civil rights— and I don't know what the slippery slope has been from that that has yeah. harmed us to uh-huh. say, hey, I will get a ticket— there's there's a regulation here because what's, I live in a bigger society than just me. What's that collectivism versus individualism? We're taught staunch and, and you know individualism as an American, and then when we run into a collectivism issue, we default to individualism, and sometimes that gets us in trouble. We saw it with the vaccine. We saw it. We see it with guns. We see because it, it's always about like. Well, what about uh, what about me? What about me? And it's okay. To, and and, and it, it, this sounds awful. Again, I'm telling you, we're a dog in society today. I'm not trying to. It's like someone said the worst thing that Fauci or whomever could have said they said when the pandemic started was wear masks to protect other people. Yeah. If you really wanted it to work, you should have said wear masks to protect yourself. Yeah. Because that that messaging in American society, and I don't think it's because they don't care about people. I think it's because. They don't believe the information at some point. You right. can only believe the stream of information that's coming from your side. So yeah. therefore – You, you decide. Just, you look and see what letters by the guy's name and you go, oh, he's a good guy. He's one of us. It's and like, you believe what we, he says. Yeah. So weird. And, and so as I, said, I, I, I saw one of my – an author friend who was talking about the gun control issues being very similar to systemic racism in that if – it seems like the pushback is often – we funnel all of gun violence down into individual choices mm-hmm. and we don't acknowledge anything systemic. And that's the same thing we talk about in, in not so black and white so much is, you know, finding this balance to go like, we don't say guys, it's all systemic. Yeah. Of course there's people who are racist or people who are shooting. And, and of course that, that is a, the problem. They're the ones, they're the tip of the spear of the problem. Right. But to act that there's no spear, but it's access, right. Or act, or act that misinformation in yeah. the Buffalo shooting, the misinformation – I mean there's lots of research right now about it, about what someone who's mentally ill uh-huh. is believing when they hear it thousands of times from their favorite news pundit. Right. A theory that is just not true, that is right. a political theory trying to help garner votes for one side right. that's destructive. Now, that speech is protected. So it's already political, like you right. said. But it's, it's incendiary. It's, it's incendiary be, speech. It's being protected. No one's saying not to protect the speech, right. but you got. But you could have lit the fuse for somebody. You got to protect all the that, sides this of information. It. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it's yeah, you're right. It's it's that weird thing of like what is and we we we're obviously we're proponents of free speech, but it's that thing of like there are consequences to disinformation and but we just do we what we are is it's like the world we have the world we have. Uh, the country that we have is in love with guns, and now we have to figure out a way to go to move forward. Now that we have mass shootings every day of our lives, what is there a number that somebody gets to that they change their mind on that? If they've already decided for themselves, that's what I don't know. I don't know, and I don't know what I don't know how reversible our situation is. I mean, again, I think that's yeah. to say we don't know the outcomes. But I didn't know other countries have figured it out. 
Well, other countries have lessened it. Yeah. I mean, is there a moment? So do we, do we, that's another thing. That's the part of American exceptionalism. Do we think we're special in it? But that couldn't be the case here because we have this and this scenario that's different. And there may be different scenarios. Because I understand we're basically 50 different little countries. That's how the United States is. We're not united. There's 50 little countries. Sure. You know, and we all could have our separate little, you know. Well, you could pass a federal law that would over, you know, obviously that's. And that happened in the Clintons and they said it lowered, it lowered mass shootings. And then it was immediately rolled back by a Republican president, and mass shootings went way up, like 245% that year. So, like, there's a record. I mean, if you care to dig into the data and get past your own stuff, which I've done over the past four or five years, like, there's data out there to support. Sure. Like, if you want to – it's like somebody has to say to you, like, okay, you have this belief. What, what would it take to change your mind? Like, if I showed you that your belief is wrong, are you married to that belief enough that you would still just – keep going like it's a huge it's like you make an idol of the belief yeah it's a huge question what could possibly be said to you yeah that would allow you to see another side of this and for me it's always about a gospel disposition a gospel disposition is not entrenched it's Mm -hmm. not let your and i love how the amplified says that let your reasonableness um you let your i'm I'm using different words here sorry but your approachability is kind of the the gist of it was translating to gentleness i wish you could be more approachable i really do oh no but let it be no let it be evident in all that you do to to all so all counts your own party your own church all counts the opposite party and people that don't believe in god all counts for your citizens like letting that disposition be evident to all is not being the tone police and this idea that somehow that's sissifying christianity as if we don't follow a a very humble, come to me for I am lowly and humble. I am gentle and lowly, and you will find rest for your souls. Yeah, like Christians he, calling each other sheep the last three years when we supposedly are sheep and serve a shepherd. Like I don't understand why that became a pejorative. Guys, I, if I, and I'm sorry. This this is a so like you guys box. are a bunch of sheep. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah this is a soapbox for me, but I think it's worth saying. That's that's the funny part. If I was a sheep, I wouldn't. In the way it's being said to me, no chance I say this. So if you could, in, in theory, I'm proving the point. This whole like we're lions and not sheep movement mm-hmm. that's happening. The bumper stickers and the I mean, it's a big church thing right. right now. And I just and maybe I'm wrong here, and I'm no theologian, and apparently I'm a lion for saying this, or else I would just roll over and say nothing. But. That is the most biblically inaccurate thing I think I've ever heard, and I'm hearing it out of pastors. And I want to say there is no doubt throughout Scripture we're referred to as sheep over and over again from Israel through the prophets, through Jesus's parables. Yeah. Okay. All we like sheep have gone astray. And it's Isaiah. I mean, like throughout all of it. Feed my sheep. It's everywhere. And Jesus is referred to as a lion. Okay. Mm -hmm. The lion of Judah. Right. I don't. I don't know where the where the Christians or the Hebrews are, are referred to that followers or people of faith, and and the enemy is referred to as a lion because he roams around like a roaring, like, like lion, a roaring lion, seeking whom yeah. he may devour. But I can't find a place where we're supposed to be lions. And then when you show the shirt and all the sheep are wearing a mask, right. and you've tied some biblical, excuse me, extra biblical concept, right? Quite frankly, anti biblical concept. I, right. I can't. I can't find a place, guys. You can send it to me. Maybe there may be a reference somewhere that that we're referred to metaphorically as lions. I, I just, I, I would say, is it in the volume and emphasis across Scripture as a whole right. to the reference of who we are? Or are you cherry picking? As it makes you seem better, makes you seem stronger and better. And Jesus is not only, by the way, a lion; he's also a, a lamb. lamb right? right. So, so. And, and metaphors have their limit as well. But the whole point of it is, is we follow a shepherd, right? Mm-hmm. We are redeemed by a lamb. And that mm-hmm. the lion, when he does come, if you want to use the powerful metaphors, it's really not even a battle. Like, he's God. He doesn't really even need to fight. Like, it's already over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the sense of, like, we need to rise up as the lions to look like Jesus well, the way to look like Jesus scripturally is a path to a cross. Right, lay down your life. Yeah, I mean it's a path to a cross. That's I mean it's, it's replete yeah. throughout Scripture. It's replete. So I just I'm sorry. It may just be a bumper sticker thing, Johnny. I just mm. I think that matters. Why do you have that bumper sticker? Is what well, I, want I don't know why someone stuck it on there and I can't get it off. Those are hard to get off. I just can't. I just I just feel like that at some point. 
Man, we really got into it today. Guys, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just think at some point. We opened the can of worms. If we don't say that, then what are we doing? Like, it's okay. It's okay to go, hey, the disposition of a believer should look like Christ and the disposition of Christ, unless he was talking, you know, the only time he was harsh was with a bunch of religious people (laughs) who who thought they didn't need him. I just, you know, the gun stuff is tough for me because I'm just not a gun guy. I don't think guns are evil or whatever. Um, I do think that the proliferation of guns and the politicization of guns, especially when it links to like religious fervor, like it can get really creepy, you know, and um, it it does bother me. But more than that is we're grieving with those who grieve today and we're not – I think that the inaction that we have seen from our country has been bought by lobbyists. And I think we're seeing an, an electorate now that is getting fed up. And so I think we're going to we're gonna see some action whether you like it or not. Well, there's going to need to be something. And again, if this sounds extremist to you, you I think you've got to ask the question, with so many Republicans stepping up right now and the letter beside their name uh-huh. is one that you identify with. What makes us what we're saying extreme? At some point, right. can, can there not be some reasonable conversation and find a middle? Yeah, ground? like be reasonable. Like the people, who, for instance, there's a congressman or a senator who uh, stood up the day after the school shooting in Texas, and he said, "I'm tired of hearing this argument that it's a mental health issue." He goes, "Yes, mental health is important, but we are not an outlier in mental health. Other countries have mental health issues too. We're an outlier in guns. Hmm. In other words, what makes us special is the amount of guns that are in this country." And the freedom to just get an AR-15, that's not special. Or that's what's special about us. What's not special is, well, we just got more mental illness. We got to address that. That's the other thing is the people that go, it's a mental health issue, but don't want to give funding for mental health. Right. So it's like you're just saying stuff to say it now. You're just deflecting. We might not know you're deflecting. Yeah. I mean, again. I'm saying like senators that say that, like grandstanding go, well, this is clear. Okay, well, what are you doing to address mental health? Well, no, we're not doing that. Look, you're right. if you want health care, go buy it. Yeah, you know, it's like you. If you're gonna say that, then at least go offer, you know, help and not just be. But it's grandstanding, and I think it's grandstanding on both sides because I think on the far left you have people who are pretend to care for decades and have done nothing to. Sure, you know. So I, I just, you know, we. It's a weird thing. It's become so entrenched, and we're so dug in. And um, but yeah, man, I, I'm not a gun guy, but I understand. I understand that definitely in the, the early America, I understand the need for guns. But I think as we evolve, we got to go as a people. Like there's so many of us and there's so many of these shootings, like something's got to give. And if there's not a number for you where you could just be like, all right, that's an, enough is enough. Like, I don't know. I don't know what where the conversation is. Well, I think that the person who feels that way believes that the gun control won't change it. And I think that's that's the thing. Not, but by gun control, that's a big, broad thing. I am not advocating. But I understand taking why some, away I understand, all the current. I guns understand from, somebody not willing to try, it, not willing to say, "Hey, maybe you should maybe, be able to get a rocket launcher." Maybe, Let's try that for ten years. Why don't we try something? Why don't we try some regulations in place that yeah. limit availability of types of weapons and and put some time frames? Yeah. I don't think those things are unreasonable. We're not saying. It's like, again, I had an ad come across my feed this morning that said, free speech is under attack. Uh-huh. I was like, if free speech was really that under attack, that ad wouldn't have appeared right. on my feed. Like, surely, like, I'm not saying free speech is not well, it's something It's like when somebody says a news story, like, no one's talking about this, and they link to a story where they're talking right. about it. <laughs> it's like, Why is the mainstream media not talking about this? Here's an NBC story talking about it. Right. You're like, it, all right. On a mainstream media station that yeah. we're also, yeah. You just go, hey. These things are always debated, and they need to be. I, I really do believe that there is a a need for equilibrium somewhat. Well, it's a, like what you said, though. System. 80% of people pretty much agree that the system we have in place now where somebody can just turn 18 and then just go get a gun and go shoot up a school, which is what that what happened in Texas, yeah. that's got to give. That's got to change. 80% of Americans agree with you on that. I think it's high 80s. Yeah. So there's agreement there. So that means there is a way forward that's not being – politicized that's not this yeah that shouldn't have happened right whether you believe as far as as i believe about guns that i just didn't grow up around guns or whatever and i just have a different view of gun culture than someone else that's a whole other thing you can disagree with me on that but i'm saying most of us agree that there need to be stricter regulations Some sort of middle ground common sense regulation right, right. So, not taking somebody's handgun away not taking somebody's hunting rifle away right but the idea that somebody should just go buy a gun that shoots 500 rounds a minute and go to Vegas and just light people up from a hotel room that should never be able to happen in this country right
and it does. It, it happens. Should, it happens on the regular. It's happening way too much, and we do, man. We grieve with those of you, uh, man, with our country and those who've lost people, and you know, back to our again our original statement. I'm glad we had time to give more context to it. We certainly lean into God. I mean, we need His help and, and all those things, and we can also use the brains. One thing it's the a reason to, we advocate for people is because yeah. of that you know you, you, God gives you empathy. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. this is not about like demonizing people that are gun owners. It's like even a gun owner. There's a time when you go. I know I've seen a lot of gun owners come out and be just like you and go. It's time for responsible legislation on guns. As a gun owner who yeah. enjoys my guns, yeah, it's time to figure out a way to get guns out of the hands of evil people. Yeah, at least try. Or people who are just overheated that would calm down if you gave a longer waiting period or whatever it is. Yeah. Just there's there's legislation that's there. And I just think the idea that we just go, well, we'll fix it with just like prayers and we'll pray and God will. It's like we don't do that with any other issue. We don't do that with pro-life issues. We don't go, well, this is a spirit issue and we don't want to get involved. No, right. we try everything we can right. to pass legislation because we believe in it. Right. We, we believe it's a hard issue, but we also believe it's a legislation issue. Every single thing is both Yeah, in our lives. And when we make one one or the other, right. then I think we do a disservice to the responsibility we have as people of faith who also live in a in a human world. So, like, we got to be okay with both places. So, man, what a hilarious episode this was. <sighs> oh, so much fun was had by all. I just want to say, John, that I think you're really smart. <laughs> And uh, uh, I don't want that to put any pressure on you. No, no. Um, I feel you go no out there and you take chances, buddy. I've never been healthier in my life than I am. Not so much hardworking. No. Like I don't see you working or working things out or pushing through, but I see you getting by on your wits and I think it's going to serve you well. Yeah. Well, you know, there's, I don't have the grit. I no. think that a lot of people have. No. You know. No, this generate, we like grit. It's like yeah. we've been sanded down. Yeah, I'm like, dude. We're we're a smooth people. Like, I really contemplated yesterday whether to put my energies into eating better uh-huh. or put my energies into buying bigger clothes. I think we say eating, but <laughs> eating better or just eating. eating. It's like you know, buying bigger clothes. True, is not a wrong. Stretchy pants are out there. Hey, let me tell you something. They make sizes up to you would be amazed. If I could still touch my toes, those stretchy pants would let me do you it. You know, I gave away my fat clothes. When I lost the weight. So that was to say I'm never going back. It was. And uh, you found that guy. <laughs> I tracked him down. And took there him used back. to be a bit about that, about how like when they show like the news stories and it's about the obesity epidemic or whatever news story they decided to make yeah. about, you know, and then they just show like a guy it's cut off and it's just a fat guy walking down the street yeah. in a T-shirt and size 52 pants or whatever. And they just show like him from behind. Like that's a guy. Right. Who might see himself on the news that night. Yeah. Now he's been identified as the obesity epidemic. Right. Like, that's really weird. He I wonder if they, like, find a crew guy and go, hey, you're going to be uh, obesity epidemic guy. Dave, we need you just for I this one shot. I always think about that on the shows where there's, like, someone on there they're going to make fun of for being ugly or something. Like, when you had to try out for that part. You had to be cat. And what if you didn't get it? But that would be kind of good feeling. Like, hey, like, you weren't like, ugly enough. You weren't ugly enough. Yeah. Or you're, you're distractingly ugly. <laughs> like, we need to move the plot along. And this, you this... killed the show dead because they're like... I've never seen any. You're like so ugly, it's interesting. Right. Like, we, like it's medically fascinating how ugly you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. It is weird, though, when they hire the, because there used to be a, uh, a bit about that, too, that I remember from when I was a kid about somebody who was like, Band-Aid commercials, do they hire injured children or rough them up before the commercial? <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> well, I always wonder, if someone was Show there... a kid with a skinned knee, you're like, all right, what's the timeline of this skinned knee? <laughs> <laughs> we need to kill the skin knee. That's that. Um, I want to know if there's a listener out there uh, who is a casting director. Uh-huh. And I would like to know if they were to look at us, mm-hmm. what kind of roles are our appearance. Like, I guess we have a, we yeah. have again, a, a, an, yeah. an aura about us. Well, what, that goes into, yeah. Like, like, what, a, how do you see yourself versus how would an audience see you? And sometimes they're different. Because those casting agents know yeah. exactly like, oh yeah, you look like you'd be the mobster. You're the neighbor. Right. You look like the good guy who's actually the bad guy. You know, there's that guy. You're the wacky basketball coach. one of those coach. guys who's always like a politician in half the movies and uh-huh. you think he's the good guy and he always turns midway behind the scenes. Then and he whispers really, and he's like, uh, hail Hydra. And you're like, oh, he's with Hydra. Oh no. Yeah. Like I want to, do I have that? Could I pull off? Uh-huh. 
like nice sinister. You know what I'm saying? Huh. Like like justice the first half of the movie, sinister the second half. Right. I want to know. So hey, or I like you start to... speaking with a Russian accent somewhere. Like he's a spy oh, this whole goodness. time. Yeah. Maybe. I don't Interesting. know. I think you're. You're like stay stick with the podcast audio, right? That's what. That's if you. <laughs> what if we don't come in? What about that? Yeah. What about auditions are closed? Hey, so we're not taking any new people right now. We're gonna go ahead and ask you not to come in. Maybe here. Here's a trash can. Send us your email. <laughs> yeah. Here, write down my number five five five. Sir, that's. I told you about the day that the guy called me, and he was like, uh, "Excuse me, sir." Uh, you have an unpaid, uh, what was it? I think it was like a school loan. Or oh, something. it was a scam? And he was like, okay, here's the deal. We've been trying to reach you. Uh-huh. And the sheriff has been dispatched. Oh, wow. He's and on his he's way. Going, he's going to be there. So, But if you can work with me, then I can try to get this worked out. Like he's a hostage negotiator. And he just caught me in the wrong I just need an account number. He caught me in the wrong day, bro. Yeah. I was just like, I oh. I promise you, you do not. I was like, oh, no. Well, that's – I don't know how you didn't reach me. Man, let's see if we can get this worked out. And I, t- I took the guy on about a 25-minute ride. I just, I, just, I just conned him right back. Yeah. I was like, so, okay, can you tell me your name? It was like – and he did not speak in a contemporary English accent. <laughs> I like he, how diplomatically you're putting this. But he told me his to name was correct. like Tom Smith or something, you know? Yeah. So Tom Smith, okay, Tom, what is – I need to know, just in case when the sheriff gets here, I can yeah. explain everything that I've talked to you. What is your position with the company? And he would made up some positions like, wait, I need to know, do you have a supervisor? Can I have his name and number in yeah. his position? It was like Ed Smith or something. Yeah. Like, okay. And can I get in case we get in case we get because this <laughs> happened to me before on these calls where I don't get to reach you back. I'll never find you in such a big company. So can I have your callback number? Uh-huh. And he was like seven, five. And he gave me like a fake number. Too many numbers. Oh. I go, Tom, those are too many numbers. I think yeah. you must have made a mistake. Can you check it again? I was like, it's been five minutes. You said the sheriff's going to be here in five minutes. Is he delayed? Could you call and find out? I mean, I just, bro, I just kept going and yeah. going. You wasted both of your times. I did. I was like, I'm done with this. And I don't know if he regretted I it. I can't believe that John Driver had this much. Like, you're so big about not wasting time. Yeah, I was. You wasted time out of anger. I did. You were like, you took my day. I'm taking your day. Yeah, it was a real, yeah. It wasn't my finest hour. No. It wasn't even the top ten. So, do you know what, listener? We hope that we are in your top ten. We hope you had a fine hour. <laughs> uh, we do appreciate you listening every week, and there is lots of other places or other episodes to listen to. Really, at one place though, mm, at talkaboutthatpodcast.com, dot com, mm. where you can find all of our archived episodes over two hundred, and you can also go to our Patreon link if you want to kick in a few shekels, help us support the show. Look, five bucks a month flies out of your pocket. You don't know where it goes. You don't know where what's it goes. that do. It does What's nothing. that do for you? I mean, it does nothing. a lot for us. That's what I'm saying. But those $5 add up around here, and that's how we make fun, quality content for you. And, you know, here's the thing. We appreciate that $5 champion, but what about that $20 champion? What's He's, 20 really? I mean, how, how if you buy Starbucks Do you say more, 20 or 20? 20. 20. 20. I wonder if that's a, that's, a, that's a regional, right? We can ask the casting agent. 20. I feel like that would get me, hey, yo. I'm going to go get you 20. 20. I feel like I could be in the mob. 10, 20, 30. At, at any rate, uh, you can be that $20 yeah. champion as well. It's not called $20 champion. I think it's called the walkie-talkie or the big talker. I can't remember yeah. what it is. But Whatever that is. That's like four Starbucks drinks in a month, Johnny. I think it's like two now. Starbucks yeah. is up there now. Come on, man. If you get a venti. I, we're not even asking you to skip the Starbucks. No. Like you could, just, and we're just trying listen to listen to the show while you also yeah. have it because we know you're rolling over there. If you like Starbucks and you're willing to pay that much for that, uh-huh. maybe you should pay that much for this. Hey, I mean, how long does it take you to drink that Starbucks drink? Right, five minutes. For five minutes. minutes. We're giving you an hour. Uh huh. What is that like? Five, ten, we're fifteen, twenty. The, how many Starbucks drinks? We're the garbage, sugary drink of your soul. We're here, man, to like adjust, caffeinate your life. Oh my goodness, straight to the bloodstream. Uh huh. Yeah. It's probably a little bad for you. Yeah, and probably a waste of money, but you could do it yeah. anyway. You're already doing it. Makes Why not you, do it here? Makes you have to poop. Oh. <laughs> That's the metaphor ended. I'm sorry. <laughs> Metaphors have their limit, guys. They do. But you know what doesn't? What? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Say the number of episodes. I, d- I don't they, know. They, even have- <laughs> they have a limit, too. They have the limit to how many we can make. Hey, let's not put a limit on the number of followers that should follow Johnny on Instagram, though. That's right. You can follow me. I, I'm, I've been growing this uh 
this month. I've had a good month. That's good. So we had a few videos that, that got some traction, and that's been cool. So uh, we're building back uh, Instagram. You can find all that from my link tree, link tree slash Johnny W. Go follow John at his J-O-N-N-I-E-W. Follow John at his link tree, link tree slash John Driver. You can find all about his new book. You can order the book if you want to get a free book. You can leave a review on Amazon. Um, and uh, yeah, so all you gotta John, do is email me at johnjohndriver.com. Yeah, and John will I'll send you a book. You a book and that's, just, that's the kind of people that we are. Yeah, an honor system out there. If you've got a book and you haven't left a review, please go do that. I love it. Love to see what your thoughts were. An honest review. You can listen to my special on Dry Bar Comedy. Mm. Uh, it's on YouTube as well for free. Uh, you can subscribe to Dry Bar and get all access to all of their stuff. And I get uh, royalties when you watch it. So please uh, yeah. keep watching. And my new special is coming out very soon. My new Dry Bar. Mm. So. Brand new content for you guys. We're just making stuff over here. We are. And exciting news to share, too. There's a lot of things happening with the podcast. So yeah. a lot of behind-the-scenes things that we're working we're on. We're churning. It, we're like a duck. Like, you see us floating, but beneath oh, the water, paddling. It is, it is oh, a whir of a emotion. Churn. Just just a... Mm. It's so much happening. Churning. What if a duck doesn't really? Just under air, it's just totally Yeah, they're cold. just like, why would I be in your metaphor? I'm just floating. It's then you find out that about ship, like when I said you can't turn a ship around. Yeah, it's like five minutes overnight. to turn it. Yeah. It takes five minutes to turn a ship. So uh, really an aircraft it, carrier. So really it is pretty quick to turn a ship. Yeah. yeah. So and all of you leaders out there were like, you can't turn an aircraft carrier. Yes, you can. You can. And all of us are horrible leaders. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this should have only taken five minutes. <laughs> Well, guys, thank you for the time you've given us this week, and uh, we can't wait to do it again with you next week on Talk About That. I'm Dr. Lauren DeVille, a practicing naturopathic physician in Tucson, Arizona. In my podcast, Christian Natural Health, my guests and I discuss topics ranging from nutrition, sleep, hormone balancing, and exercise to specific health concerns like hair loss, anxiety, and hypothyroidism. I'll also interweave biblical principles as they apply throughout the podcast because true health is body, mind, and spirit. Listen to Christian Natural Health for free at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcast platform.